As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekel, joined as always by Paul Tenorio, my colleague at The Athletic. Paul, the U.S. men's national team returned to the field for the first time in I think like 34 years today. Um, We are recording on Thursday evening. They drew Wales 0-0, and if a 0-0 friendly draw against Wales is... I don't know. Was that their B team? Um, if If that could like count as like a World Cup victory in a final on Twitter, then I think, you know, that was achieved today. Um, but let's just, let's just dive right into it. How are you doing? What did you think of that game? What were your main takeaways? Were you as over the moon as some people were uh, on the internet? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I'm going to try to, um, we'll try to make this a little bit different. I know Taylor and Joe have done a whole, um, whole show yes, on this. Thank you for doing my um, job for me here. But, um, you know, I, I just finished writing about it, so obviously it's top of mind for me. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I kind of joked with you. I sent you a, a message um, saying that you were going to hate my story. I sent it to my, my buddy Dylan Hernandez as well, um, just because I always like to run, like, any optimistic um, opinion I have about the national team past you two before I write it. So I get it's really making me reevaluate just like my whole approach to life. By yeah. the way, just yeah. like it's like, oh, Sam's gonna really hate this story because it's positive. I'm yeah. like, oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how it was. But but you actually said you also were feeling positive. Look, it was a good performance. You know, I, I am I'm of the belie- I'm a believer in the idea that results and friendlies don't matter. Um, it's about how you play. It's about what you're trying to accomplish. And did you, um, did you make progress in those areas? And I think for me, when I looked at this performance, there were two things that really were going to matter to me. The first was what the midfield looked like with Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney. Great. It was the best part of the game for the U.S. Weston McKinney had his best game, I thought, in a U.S. uniform. Um, turns out playing for Juventus might make you a better and more confident player who would have figured um, the second was the play of the wingers. Originally, I thought it was going to be Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna. Obviously, Pulisic's not playing. He's back with Chelsea. Um, Gio Reyna, I thought, struggled a little bit in this game. Wasn't as strong as I was hoping, but you remind yourself he's 17 years old. 
And so you kind of, and in making his debut, you kind of put that a little bit to the side and say, okay, okay, there were some problems in the final third. These are, you know, areas that are going to improve just over time. And when you, when you put in the best player on the team back into the lineup, um, overall though, you know, you look at it, Wes McKenney, Tyler Adams, Serginho Dest, John Brooks, you know, probably the four of the five best players on the field. And the fifth was Yunus Musa for the U.S. who, you know, they're trying to convince the switch to the to the national team program. So overall, I thought it was a really, really positive performance um, and, and and certainly something to be optimistic about. And Sam, I, I, feel, I think you felt pretty much the same way I did for the most part. Yeah, certainly agree on all the assessments you just made of all of those players, for sure. You know, the main thing here is just putting it in the broader context. How many guys made the debuts, made their de- senior t- Six. debuts today? Six. Six. Um, the lineup was full of guys in their teens, in their early 20s, uh, inexperienced group with two days of training together um, that has never played together, like, at all. This is just the start for these guys, right? And so there were naturally going to be some shakier moments and times on the field when they didn't really look like they were no knowing how to play together. Um, and that was to be expected and that happened. Right. And that's fine. Um, I didn't think it was like an amazing performance or anything like that, but for me, there were clear building blocks, right? There were things that you could point at and say, Oh, like we can get excited about that. And there's so much room to grow right already just based off of what we've seen some of these players do with their club teams right so i mean you mentioned it it's adams and mckinney right that i mean we were talking before the show you said it just now you said it's the best you've ever seen mckinney play for the u.s i think it's the best maybe i've ever seen mckinney play and like i'm sure he had some very good games for Schalke over the years that i missed (laughs) i wasn't watching every single weekend um to be fair um but him and Adams just really paired well together. Um, Adams was really disciplined, I thought, positionally. It's kind of everything you want in that number six. He can cover a ton of ground. He wasn't asked to do a ton with the ball at his feet. Um, and I think that's fine, right? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. The U.S. has a lot of talented players in front of him that you want them to be doing things with the ball. Um, you know, you mentioned Giorena. He wasn't great. Um, Sebastian Legette is a false nine was, like, kind of a weird experiment. Um, born out of necessity, right? Josh Sargent was not allowed to go by Werder Bremen, his club team. Um, there isn't, there wasn't a number nine with, well, I guess Tim Weah has, has been capped before, but he's sort of a number nine, sort of a winger. Um, so there wasn't an out and out number nine with a cap on the roster. Um, so, you know, like it's fine. I think Weston McKenney had a good quote after the game about how guys weren't really making runs in behind and weren't really stretching the field. And like the biggest vertical threat for the U.S., was maybe Serginho Dest, um, who's your right back. Which, that's, by the way, that that's that's by design to a certain extent. Like Greg Berhalter yeah, wants Serginho yeah. Dest bombing forward, and and he yeah, even said in the after after the game, I thought Serginho Dest was really good. Greg Berhalter was so like, I. I think he can be better. We want to see more out of him in the final third. He's like, I really want to use his I mean, attacking he put ability. A gra- he put a great ball in that I think if you have a center forward playing, probably gets on the end of it For and sure. hopefully scores. Um, that, you know, no fault to Sebastian Legette here. I'm not here to like crucify that guy. Like he was playing a position that, I mean, who knows if he's ever even played that position. So he certainly hasn't in years. <laughs> um, and I thought he did okay, honestly. But the wingers weren't really getting in behind. Um, Weston McKinney's quote was kind of how everyone is comfortable with the ball at their feet and everyone sort of came to the ball and made the spaces tighter against a Wales team that was defending in a pretty low type block to begin with. Um, so that made it a little difficult at times, but you could see the few moments where 
the U.S. did get vertical quickly, right? And there was one where Musa was on the ball and made that really really long run uh, through midfield. That was probably like what, like a 40, 50-yard run, maybe even longer than that. Um, and so you see these flashes and you see Adams and McKenney playing well together, playing well with each other. Um, and you see Reyna not having a great game, but knowing what he's capable of, because you've seen what he's capable of with Dortmund, um, knowing what Pulisic is capable of, and he's not even there. Um, and it's hard not to get excited for this team, right? Um, I think there's a lot of room to grow, a lot of potential. I don't think it's going to be smooth sailing all the way. They're still very young. Like, this is a really young national team. Like Yeah, the fourth, fourth youngest lineup ever tonight for a U.S. national team that played. Yeah, so- and that's with John Brooks on the field that's with Sebastian yeah. Legette on the field. old man John Brooks who's what like 28 20, 27 I think yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah he's ancient um so I think a lot to be encouraged by uh, still a lot of work to be done it wasn't a perfect performance by any means but a decent starting point and like I said there were some moments there where it's like okay damn maybe you're working with something here in ways that we haven't been working with something in the past now they actually need to go out and realize that potential over the next two slash five and a half years ahead of the next two world cups basically yeah i'm just going to make two quick points um the first is uh, you you kind of brought up the two quotes from weston and tyler i think if you're going to read my story that's the reason to read them um tyler's point so don't read them here otherwise they won't read your story well i'm not going to read the quote but the point was that you know two <laughs> training sessions matters when you when you have a team that's never really been together um and they they you have a tendency when you don't train together to fall into the habits of what you do train, which is what your club team's tactics are. And I think that probably contributed to some of what Weston McKinney was talking about with Gio Reyna and Conrad De La Fuente. He doesn't mention them by name in the quote, but that there are no runs in behind. The whole system of a false nine is designed to have runs in behind the back line from the wingers. So when those runs aren't happening... That's a problem for the system that is designed for this run. It's the Jets' fault. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So I, you know, you can chalk that up to lack of time together, right? With a really young team. Um, the second thing I'm going to say is, uh, for as as many positives as you can pull out of this performance, and there were there were positives to pull. I think it's also worth remembering that there are other areas, other people to be excited about who aren't here. Right? We, you mentioned Josh Sargent's not here. Christian Pulisic, we talked about. You know, Christian's the best player on the team. Yeah, Matt Turner, of course. Of course, how could we forget? Um, But, you know, Josie Altidore, Jossie Zardes. um, I think there's going to... Jordan Morris. Jordan Morris. I think there's going to be a legitimate competition still at left back. Nothing Anthony Robinson did today has me convinced that he's going to be the starting left back. So, you know, Brendan Aronson, he's somebody who, if Yunus Musa doesn't commit, is going to be trying to fight to play into that midfield. Next to Weston McKinney, Musa does commit. Yeah, so I mean, you know, there that's going to be important because we're talking about potentially World Cup qualifying next fall being three games per window if we continue to have COVID delays, and you know, if you're having three games per international window, you're rotating the heck out of your squad because you cannot play the same team three times in a week in, in World Cup qualifiers. You don't think you can play like in San Pedro Sula on like Tuesday afternoon in the summertime when it's 100 million degrees out and then play at Azteca in altitude four days later and then play in like Harrison, New Jersey like two days after that and yep. with the same 11? Maybe Tyler Adams can do those three things and You know and what? Look These fine. guys are soft. These young kids. <laughs> this would have... This never would have happened back in 
Paul Caligiuri's day. Yeah, exactly. Frank Klopas, let me tell you, he could he could play all three of those games. Probably now, yeah. still today. Yeah. He's fit enough. Um anyway. So that that's our little synopsis on this game. You should listen to Taylor and Joe's episode to get uh, a full breakdown Are we done of already? the tactics of the game. I think so. I think we have so yeah. much to talk about with MLS and I'm I'm excited to hear some of Sam Stasekel's reporting. He's been busy. He's been on the phone all day talking to people. Oh, and so now we're gonna we're gonna let's 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 switch it up let's go right, from well, before, europe before, back to let me say let me say one more thing before uh panama they're playing panama on monday in austria i i would hope for largely the same group of players in that game a few changes here or there i would love to see a number nine um from the start but other than that i would i would like to see the same midfield for the most part and the same wingers um and you know let the kids who are going to take you there build chemistry and gel uh, we'll see if Burhalter does that. Um, if I had to guess, I think he will. But I don't know if he said anything about that in his post-game presser today. He didn't say anything. I think we have to be mindful of the fact that he probably has some There's deals some worked I, out like, with some I club think, teams of yeah. how many minutes guys are going to play. But he did say no players are going back to their clubs. I think that's indicative of the fact that you're going to see some minutes. I do think... I would expect to see more of some guys like Chris Richards, for example. Sure, I think could end up you know, could end up some starting just here and there. But I'm I'm thinking midfield forward. If you want to yeah, switch up the back no, line, I'm, I'm good with that. But I, midfield I would forward, agree with that, that idea. Sense. I think I think he'll stick with the guys that you know he wants to get them reps. Right, he wants to get them Needs reps. Needs to. So uh, that I would I would anticipate that there won't be as many changes as maybe there normally would be in a window like this. Hello, Allocation Disorder listeners. This is producer Taylor. Before Sam tries to change the subject, I wanted to give Paul a moment to talk about his belief in the benefits of well-tailored clothing. Paul, over to you. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Anyway, moving on, MLS, Major League Soccer. It is off this week, um, but it is affected by the international window. The playoffs begin on November 20th with the Eastern Conference play-in round. Uh, that is basically the, the the two extra teams in the East. Um, there are 10 teams that qualify out of the East, only eight out of the West. So the two extras in the East have to play seven and eight in the East, seven versus 10, Nashville against Miami, the expansion extravaganza, Super Bowl 2020, very exciting, and Montreal against New England. Um, so those are the two on Friday, and then you move into the conference quarterfinals in both conferences, some games on Saturday, some games on Sunday, and some games on Tuesday. Now, because of COVID-19, because of the fact that this playoff schedule, you have to fit in a lot of games in a pretty short amount of time, uh, and because of MLS, I think doing the right thing, uh, in terms of health and safety protocols and requiring that all players who leave the country, leave the U.S. or Canada, and go on international duty, have to quarantine for nine days upon their return. I believe they get tested six times during those nine days as well. Um, they're going to miss playoff games, some of those players. 
and that's going to affect the season. Uh, we are going to run into a situation, almost inevitably, where a team's season ends with one of their stars, perhaps the their their true, their biggest star player, sitting at home in quarantine because he went on international duty. And that is just, I mean, it doesn't really get more 2020 than that, except it does, Paul. Here's how it gets more 2020 than this. Raul Ruiz Diaz, Seattle Sounders, star striker, finished second in the league in goals, tied for second with 12. Um, he's perhaps, he's one of their big three with Jordan Morris and Nico Ladero. They're playing LAFC. He's on international duty with Peru. He is not going to miss that game. It's expected. Why, you ask, listener? It's because he got COVID last month while on international duty with Peru. And that sort of makes him what is called a quote-unquote recovered person. And basically, per CDC guidelines, in the 90 days after you contract the virus, they basically say you don't need to quarantine, you don't need to you know, go undergo tests because the statistical chance of you picking it up and carrying it again in those first 90 days is almost nil. Um, and so Rui Diaz, in a bizarre twist of fate that could have only happened this year, is going to play for the Sounders in a game that Brian Rodriguez and Diego Rossi are most likely not going to play for LAFC because he got COVID last month at the right time. I mean, I can only assume the Sounders did that on purpose. Um, so credit to them, you know, another real, real boss move <laughs> defending champs. Um, but anyway, Paul, uh, any thoughts kind of on this overall topic, like any teams that kind of stick out in particular, is going to be particularly, I guess, hurt um, by having guys in quarantine? Yeah, well, I think there's two teams that stand out to me as being particularly hurt. The first is LAFC, right? Um, you know, mm-hmm. not having Rossi especially is is just a brutal for them. And, and playing Seattle in the first round already was a very difficult draw. Um, so I think, you know, that that's a, that's a massive loss. Um, so just to rewind, LAFC, Brian Rodriguez and Diego Rossi will both be with Uruguay. Um, and Diego Palacios and Jose Cifuentes are both with Ecuador. So they're down four. Seattle's down two, um, two and a half, if you include Rui Diaz. Um, in addition to him, Javier Arriaga is with Ecuador and Gustav Svensson is with Sweden. So the Sounders will be without a couple of regular starters of their own as well. Yeah, but I think the team that's most impacted by the absences is going to be Minnesota United. Um, they're going to be without several starters. Jan Gregush with Slovakia, Robin Lude, Lude with Finland, uh, <laughs> Roman, load of that. Roman Metanier with Madagascar, Kai Kamara with Sierra Leone. So that's four starters that are out. You add that in with the the, the players that have been missing due to injury, right? Eiko Parra, uh, Luis Amaria, yeah. Tyler Miller. Um, they've they've had guys like Ozzy Alonso, Mike, Michael Boxel, Schoenfeld. They've all missed games with injury. Asani Dotson. So who knows what this team's going to look like? We know four guys that won't be there for sure because of international duty, but this is going to be a, you know, uh, it's going to feel like a, uh, a, a May or June midweek game for Minnesota U S open cup opening round where you rotate I mean, everybody. They're in, picking in up guys off the street, Paul Foster Langsdorf just signed there. They, they signed a guy who was playing in USL like three weeks ago. Signed three um, of them. Yeah, they're they're just picking dudes up left and right. Like, if you're not careful, Adrian Heath might call you up, Paul. And you might you might have to get in a car up to Minneapolis try and play a game. Listen, I I think that I have a lot of Metanier s qualities in my right back career. I, Do you I, have Metanier s qualities as well? Yeah, 
Okay. We always talk about my pronunciations on this show, never <laughs> yours. You know, we I need mean, to. You can change that. It's up yeah. to you, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about that later, co-host. Okay, but. For now, um, I, I think Minnesota is probably the the biggest impact. Are, are there other teams besides those those that you think are going to be especially hurt, Sam? And and also, I, I do want to loop back, you know, maybe even more so than than the teams that are hurt more, and and say there's really not a lot MLS could do here, right? I mean, you, I feel like yeah. this is the right decision. I mean, there are a couple of things. Theoretically, you could have pushed, you could have pushed the first round back to win the second round is now which is like basically the weekend of thanksgiving the weekend of november 27th what that would have done is set up a situation if you wanted to have a full six days before mls cup on december 12th um where you would have played the conference semifinal um, or the conference quarterfinal the conference semifinal and the conference final all in a week which would have been a pretty big lift for the most important games of the season so i get why they didn't do that um we don't know what the tv windows are like right weekends are crowded with football on espn and fox sports so i'm sure that played a role in this um the league had good good results good ratings from the weekday playoff games last year so i'm guessing they wanted some of that action again and that's probably part of the calculus here and the other thing is the Concacaf champions league is resuming on december 15th so they couldn't move back at all right mls cup is on december 12th there are three playoff teams that are going to be participating in the CCL when it kicks back off in Orlando on December 15th. So you can't push back any further and you can't play these games any sooner because then you'd be in the international break. So yeah, rock and hard place. Basically the only option was, okay, either play the quarterfinal semifinal and conference final in six, seven days or shorten the quarantine period, which given the fact that, you know, science and, uh, and all of the COVID cases that are on the rise across the country right now, um, probably would not have been a good idea. So, um, yeah, the league, you know, it's all about the least bad solutions, right? That's the story of 2020. Um, and this is what the league felt the least bad solution was this time around in terms of other teams that I'm kind of keeping an eye on and I'll shut up here in a second, but Portland is one Felipe Mora is going to be gone with Chile. Uh, Yaroslav Niazgoda is done for the year because of an acl injury he suffered a couple of weeks ago we obviously know sebastian blanco a winger um he's also out for the year with an acl they basically have one striker left and it's jeremy abobasi and he's been great this year primarily playing as a winger um but he's missed their last five games with a concussion um now he is back in training and he's you know if you're back in training now and the game isn't for 10 more days you're probably going to be fine um so that's positive um but he hasn't played in a while so it's going to be interesting to see what he looks like, particularly with an attack that's already um, kind of hampered. So that's one that I'm keeping an eye on. Um, in terms of others, Miami and Nashville, Randall Leal for Nashville is is not going to be there. Rodolfo Pizarro for Miami, not going to be there. He would actually miss their first two games if they were to advance. Um, and those are kind of two of the, I hesitate to say attacking stars, um, more important attacking players for the respective club teams who have both struggled to put the ball in the back of the net this year. I, I, I'm going to do just, I, I, I know we're going to probably save our playoff preview for next week. Um, but I will say now that I'm thinking about this Seattle LAFC game, I have Seattle as we're, we're doing a playoff preview for the athletic as my, um, 
favorite to win the Western Conference and also most likely to get bounced early in the playoffs because of this game <laughs> against LAFC. I, I mean, the the kind of circumstances around Seattle with the draw for the playoff, they got LAFC. If they win, they probably play Portland. And if they win that, they would probably play Kansas City. So, which are arguably outside of Seattle, maybe you can make an argument the three other best teams in the league. Now, you know, some folks in the East would have an issue with that. Um, but there's certainly three of the best other teams in the league. So brutal draw. And that happened because I think of two stoppage time goals in two different games that Seattle was not involved in on Sunday, which is kind of wild. Anyway, please continue. I was just, no, that's, 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 I was just an observation. It's very new Hutolo esque postseason for the Seattle Sounders. It's, and it hasn't even started. It hasn't even started yet. Um, so it, it's going to be very, very interesting to see. This is a perfect, I think this is a very fitting way for the playoffs to go. It's, it's dictated by COVID just as this season has been dictated by COVID. And just like everything in our discussions about MLS this year has been dictated by COVID, our reporting, all of it, um, you know, it just reinforces how different this year has been. And how we have just to talk about to, the comp- just in case we need another reminder. Yeah, I mean, we have to talk about these competitions differently than we do any other year, and that's not just to diminish the the results. No, as anything different, but they're different. They're definitely yeah. different. I mean, you can make an argument; it's it enhances, right? I mean, I don't think I would make that argument. I wouldn't make the argument that it lessens. It's just different, right? It's harder in some ways. It's Maybe easier in some ways. I don't know. Um, one team, actually, and actually one other note on LAFC Seattle. Christian Torres played for LAFC in their decision day match. He started the game. Brian Rodriguez did not. Um, he's 16. He's a homegrown. He looked okay in that game, by the way. Um, potential breakout playoff star, perhaps. Name to keep an eye on, maybe. Uh, I say this, Bob Bradley probably won't start him now. Um, but, you know. Whatever. Maybe Just purely Bob's out of spite. Send us an email about it. Purely um, out of spite, he won't start him. He heard you say this on the show, and he's going to do it out of spite. I mean, you said it, not me. Okay. Just to be clear. Speaking of homegrowns, Sam, oh can we talk? Transition. Can we transition and talk for a second about the Chicago Fire? Well, bringing bringing that was twenty a <laughs> bringing twenty seven people back. To, for next season on their roster. This is a team that finished in 11th place. And the reason that they're bringing back so many is because their roster is made up almost entirely of homegrown players, right? Uh, of whom I mean, almost yeah. nobody played. Like they, they played these homegrown players very, very few minutes. And yet they're bringing them, them all back. They're all coming back. So, well, I mean, you can't cut the 15-year-old that you haven't given a chance to play yet. That doesn't seem fair. Well, it's not just the 15-year-olds. You know, they they re-upped Nicholas Slonina, the center back. He's 19. He's 18? He's 19, okay. (laughs) Um, You know, I I just think it's an interesting... You look at who they brought back. You know, Elliot Collier, Wyatt Omsberg, both had their options picked up. Just the the logistics of the roster with guys coming back from season ending injury, the the fire have have some decisions to make in the sense of I, they're going to have to. I mean, I'm, you're counting the number of of homegrowns here. You're going to have to send guys out on season long loans to open spots up. But then even then, you're working with a, a senior roster. Of, 
No, they're going to have to trade for him. They have eight internationals already. They're going to have to trade for international spots or get guys green cards, which I, I do think that they're, that you know, we, we know they're probably working on those, right? But I just think it's 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 interesting to me because you you're going to have 17 something something like 15, 16, 17. I'm looking at their roster right now. Senior roster spots taken going into out, next year. Out of 20 for those who don't Yeah, know. 17 out of 20 internet uh senior roster spots taken for next year. So you have three senior roster spots to fill and then the rest is going to be supplemental roster spots based on homegrowns you can move out. So I'm interested. I I thought it was some so, intriguing. So basically, here. what you're telling me is is that the Fire, who finished in 11th place in the Eastern Conference, were one of four teams out of 14 to not make the playoffs, are just running it back in 2021. They're like, let's do it again, basically. Yeah, and partly because they had to, right? They gave out a lot of. Uh, they had a lot of contracts that were multiple years, right? So you can't do you can't do anything about that. Um, yeah, now, no, I they, mean, we knew, we knew this, right? We knew this already. I feel like we've talked about it on the show before. Like, yeah, I think they signed 22 like they guys. Signed, they signed a lot of guys to multi-year deals. They picked up options on others. And, you know, a lot of their senior spots were already spoken for, like, in June, right? We didn't even need to wait till the end of the season. So, I don't know. To quote a uh, famous movie, it's a bold move, Cotton. See how it works out for him. Um, I was actually intrigued to see where this I, where this roster build goes, and now I'm a little <laughs> less intrigued. I've drafted down my offseason oh, intrigue. I mean, there's board. nothing to be intrigued about. <laughs> yeah, there's only you know three to four signings. I mean, maybe yeah. they can move some guys to try to open some space. I'm looking at their roster and trying I mean, to figure out make some trades. Who's sure. who's worthy of trades? Like who who you calling the Chicago Fire about? Hmm. Johan Kappelhoff last year had some interest, but he was hurt all year. Yeah, he's on a you big know? number too. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, all it takes is one buyer and a lot of these low, lower end of the roster guys do move from time to time. So, and there is an oh, expansion team, you know, there is an expansion team, Austin FC expansion draft coming up only if I, I believe there are like 10 teams that aren't, that are, that are not in the draft this year because they had a guy picked last season. So they're protected this year. Um, we can get, get to that on a later show. I wanted to talk about a team that's actually still playing really briefly um sporting kansas city um i believe your favorite team in the world paul correct me if i'm wrong yeah huge fan of sporting kc big kc guy big kc guy anyway um they actually don't have any international absences period they're one of the few teams in the playoffs that won't be dealing with that at all so good for them on that front um i just wanted to give some credit sporting kc over the years has run into the same problem time and time again at the end of seasons. Peter Vermes leans on a core. They play an aggressive physical style, wears people down, wears themselves down. And at the end of the year, they get a little tired and they've had a lot of early round playoff exits over the years. Uh, last year was a complete disaster for them. They had a lot of injuries and they didn't even make the playoffs. Um, and this year they had a lot of injuries. They had some guys break down. They had star players go on international duty and miss a lot of games. And they won the Western conference. So credit to them. They hit on a ton of moves this offseason. Uh, Alan Polito is the highlight, but you know he missed about half half of their games. Um, Gotti Kinda, who they re-upped. I think they permanently acquired him uh, from a loan deal. Um, he's been very solid for them. Um, Felipe, one of their star players, the DP, he's been out all year. <laughs> um, he hasn't played like at all. 
Um, you know, Matt Beasler has not been regular Matt Beasler. Graham Zussi's out for the season, and they've had a really good year. So credit to them for fixing the issues that they've had in the past, building a deep roster, rotating the squad, um, and figuring it out here to a place where the Western Conference runs through runs through KC. So credit to Peter Vermes and co. down there. I just wanted to give a little love, a little shout out. You know, I'm all about love, despite your your text to me about your USMNT story earlier. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I only speak to you every day for an average like two to three hours a day. And I would say most of our, our conversation has been positive. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Makes me feel better. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Today's episode is brought to you by our old friends, Mac Weldon. Wouldn't it be nice if we could have things both ways, like a zero-calorie cheeseburger, internet ads in March that weren't just reminders to do your taxes, a dog that never needs walking after midnight when it's cold, a Manchester United that is consistently good instead of their current scattershot approach? Well, we tend to think of clothing as an either-or situation as well. People think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort. But it's possible to have it both ways. Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. From their light-as-air underwear to innovative anti-odor tees and versatile yet comfortable pants, Mack Weldon has a full range of clothes that never go out of style. I got a few things recently, including a long-sleeve polo, which I love, uh, maybe the most comfortable t-shirt, which I also love, and my new favorite sweatpants, the Ace sweatpant. It's exactly what I described above, comfort and versatile, but still stylish. It's the type of sweatpant I can wear to pick up my kids from daycare and not think, I'm now wearing sweatpants in public. The other parents will judge me. Now I just think, judge away, nerds, because you will never be this comfortable unless you're also wearing a pair, in which case, high five. Mack Weldon is not flashy. It's just classic, always in style, and made from the world's most comfortable performance materials. They're designed to fit both your style and the demands of modern life. So get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code TSS. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code TSS to get 20% off your first order. Thank you to Mack Weldon for sponsoring today's episode. Credit to Peter Vermees. Look, I, I am somebody who, who believes that Peter has done, you know, one of the better jobs over the long haul in this league. You know, traditionally, Sporting Kansas City was not a big spender. Um, changed that um, this year. They actually went out and spent decent money. Um, on Polito. Yeah, on Polito. And, and this this option for Gotti Kinda was, was several million dollars from according mm-hmm. to reports. So um, good for them. I think I think another element to this is is trying to bring some homegrowns through. Kansas City, you know, they've they've been one of the more aggressive teams in, in recruiting outside of the Kansas City area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd like to see 
those players continue to come through and to feature for for sporting and they they did uh, and, more and they, this year. they did more this year for sure um it's part of their plan it's part of their model for sure they they're definitely putting the money into it so um yeah you get rewarded for it you um and that that just kind of breeds more 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 success i think more confidence in in the the design of the system the design of of uh player identification and um and how you want to put your roster together yeah for sure no, i think it's positive um should we keep just like giving out love should we keep should we keep riding the love train is that a weird thing to Sam, say i feel like you are <laughs> all about giving out the love tonight and so i'm gonna set you up with another one supporter shield winners philadelphia union your favorite team in mls this year by far no that's nashville philadelphia <laughs> is my second favorite team um yeah, so I had a long conversation this morning with Jim Curtin. We spoke for about 45 minutes. Jim Curtin, by the way, is an incredible quote. That man knows how to tell a story. I'm a little jealous of him in that way because he's like a really good soccer coach and he can tell a story. And it's like, I think I can tell a story, but I'm not a really good soccer coach. So like I'm a little one-dimensional compared to Jim Curtin. I need to step my game up. Um but yeah, I had a really long talk to him today, and I wanted to talk about the Philadelphia Union because I feel like the the narrative around them, and while I get it, and while it's partially true, it, it's all about homegrowns, right, Paul? It's Brendan Aronson getting sold to Salzburg. It's Mark McKenzie. And, oh, wait a minute. Those are the only two homegrown guys that start games for them. Like, you have Anthony Fontana, who had a really good year, by the way, and you have Matt Real, who contributed. Um, and you have Matt Freeze, who stepped into goal here in, on decision day and, and played well, made a couple big saves and contributed to that. So I don't, I don't mean to take away from the other, these other guys, but it's not like they're getting these contributions in droves. They're getting big contributions from a more compact set of guys, and that's cool. But just saying academy homegrowns about the union, it sells them short. This is a team that is near the bottom of the league in overall spending on their roster. And they are deserving Supporter Shield champions because, in part, of the academy, like like we were just talking about, the homegrowns, but also, equally and perhaps more, in part because they knock all of their signings out of the park. It's remarkable when you look at their record, right? So their DPs are Jamiro Montero and Ali Bedoya are their two like big-ticket DPs. Those are not big-ticket DPs in terms of overall spend in MLS. I, I don't know what where they would rank i would guess they would be pretty low in the overall ranking of dp salaries and all that jazz um they're both excellent players for that team right excellent players for that team you have tam signings sergio santos jacob glesnes in the back both really solid players you have draftees right andre blake ray gaddis jack elliott huge contributors to that team andre blake's an mvp finalist is a goalkeeper that's weird. I like that. Really I like that we're going back. And, to and then like, you have. Sorry, real quick. I like that you're going back to like the 1996 MLS Super Draft for Ray Gaddis. Respect to Ray Gaddis, but it's been a while since he got drafted. Uh, I mean, like he did get drafted by the Union, like yeah, no, in 2012. I think Ray Gaddis and I are the same age. Anyway, they what the West Virginia University to Philadelphia Union pipeline between him and Jack Elliott is strong. Okay, <laughs> Philadelphia Mountaineers, baby for life <laughs> anyway um so you have that end and then you have these random international signings that they pluck out of nowhere kai wagner german third division comes to mls and one is a one of immediately one of the best fullbacks in the league jose martinez Curtin told me today 
that Batman is on $120,000 a year. He's been maybe the second best defensive mid in MLS this season. One of the top. He's been excellent for them. Uh, Venezuelan international now. Um, Casper Shabilko, right? He was a free agent. They picked him up sort of on a trial in September of, it, of 2018 and then re-signed him for the following season. He scored a bunch of goals. He hasn't been as great this year, but he's still a solid contributor. Um, they have no margin for error, basically, and they lived within that margin for error this year. And a lot of that is kind of their ability to go out and, and look in these places where most teams don't look. The German third division, the Venezuelan league, uh, for a 26, 24 or 25-year-old that Martinez is, and find kind of these diamonds, these diamonds in the dirt, right? Hit on their DPs, have the academy guys contribute in meaningful ways, and it's all holistic, it's all together. And oh, by the way, they don't get hurt either, which is a huge thing when you're talking about winning a supporter shield on a budget. So while we're giving out the love, love to the Philadelphia Union for kind of figuring it out. And when you think about them, think about them as a whole. It's not just the academy there. That's a big part of what they're doing. And if they're going to sustain this level of success, it's going to even it's going to need to be an even bigger part of what they're doing. Um, but there's a lot of things that are good that are going on in Philly. I want to give credit to Ernst Tanner, which you just and did Chris with Albright. that. With, and Chris, and Chris Albright, Albright for sure. Yeah. But I, I do I do want to point out that Ernst Tanner came in without without knowing the league. Obviously had Chris Albright there. Um, Ernie Stewart did did add some guys that have helped this roster too before him and and you know, I think Jim Curtin clearly has been involved since he was coaching in the academy. And definitely keep an eye out for Sam's story. It's going to be a good one. But I, I, I think Maybe. that we, we should talk about Ernst Tanner not just having the eye for, for these deals that, that you just went through. But I think that the union front office in general, with their willingness to sell and move players, have maximized their assets, um, academy assets and otherwise. The amount of money that they traded that they were able to gain through trades, Austin Trusty, Keegan Rosenberry, Derek Jones. Two of those are homegrowns. The other one could have been a homegrown, but MLS rules wouldn't allow it, so he went through the draft. They brought in, I think it was $1.225 million in allocation money for those three players. I don't think anyone would have turned, like, I think that's a great return on investment for those three players. Yeah. And then you add in Brendan Aronson being sold, that means you've brought in essentially $2 million in allocation. in allocation money in two seasons of work for Ernst Tanner from homegrowns. At, has there been a better return by any MLS team? I don't um, think so. Atlanta, maybe, when they traded Nagby and sold. No, no for that wasn't the same window. I mean, but, I mean, for me, it's just... It it was just really savvy, and it shows that you don't only have to cash in on your homegrown players by selling them overseas. Yeah, sometimes, internal transfer market, so to speak. Yeah, sometimes the the you know the the smartest move with a player is that okay, we're not going to get anything more out of him here, and we're going to move him on. And there the, that these players do have value elsewhere in the league, and maybe they're going to perform well. You know, Keegan Rosenberry has played for Colorado. You know, Derek Jones has has 
put in some good minutes for Nashville this year, you know? Sometimes as a forward, which yeah. is not at all what he played Well, because he's, he's, they need somebody who's just going to run and work, right? <laughs> when he's done well to do that, he's filled yeah. the role that they've asked him to fill. That's okay. It's okay if you sell a player and they're successful somewhere else. It doesn't mean that you made the wrong decision. Sometimes it does, but it doesn't always mean that. Mm. Um, and you, you have to understand that it's part of the business to sell players. And I can tell you right now, there's no fans in Philadelphia that are angry about trading homegrowns when you're winning a supporter shield. So credit to the Philadelphia Union, their front office for, you know, whatever system they're using to find players kind of under the radar and low prices and, and to, to hit on them. It's great. Um, and I, I think that uh, that everyone at that organization deserves credit for for not just finding the talent, but then maximizing it. So uh, so big ups to, to Jim Curtin, Ernst Tanner, Chris Albright. A very positive show today. You said big ups, and I thought of I thought of Chad Hayes, um, Chad Hanks. For I, those of you who don't know, just Google it. <laughs> There's it's Tom Hanks' son, and he doesn't talk like he's Tom Hanks' son. Put it like that. Um, fun story about Jim Curtin. His first coaching session in the Philadelphia Union youth program in 2010, first year in club history. Um, he was coaching two year olds. No joke. He sent me a picture. Hilarious. <laughs> so funny. He said he had a moment, his last game as a pro, they played against the Galaxy and David Beckham. And his next action as a soccer professional person was having like two year two, three, and four year olds like kick balls at his head while he had to like cover up and protect himself. Um, which is probably a very humbling experience. Um, kind of a funny story though. He's come a long way with that club over the years for sure um do we need to give out love to some more teams here paul or you did you have something to add about two-year-olds i know you're an expert well first of all there's no two-year-old that was able to kick a ball high enough to hit jim Curtin in the head he is a tall i think he was on the i think he was on the ground he is a tall human being that's all i'm saying um no i think i i don't really have any more love to give out i'm a little bit disappointed in our show for being so positive uh today we're usually known as the most negative mls podcast out there all you people who text me all you pr people gms coaches all you guys who text me saying sam when are you gonna give credit that we deserve well gave some tonight how about that how about that paul i feel like that was like a humble brag all you Uh, gms and coaches texting me no well yeah i guess it was Hello, Allocation Disorder listeners. This is producer Taylor speaking. This is not an ad read. I just wanted to confirm what Paul just said. That was one hell of a humble brag by Sam. Taylor, can you edit that out? I don't want to I don't want to come across like that in this show. We got to stop. We got to stop making requests of Taylor because what he does with those requests is he he alters them in the way he wants and he tweets them out and he tags you in it so that people make fun of you for the for the whole rest of the week. Tell them that. That's the secret. I'm not supposed to say that out loud, man. You're ruining the conceit. What are you doing, dude? Come on. This is producer Taylor one last time. I don't do that. I've got no um, more love I, to give out. I was the only negative no one on this pro- podcast today, which is just a real turn in the way that this podcast usually goes. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of was mean to the Chicago Fire, which is a tradition on this podcast. I feel like <laughs> they kind of deserved it, but you know, hey, whatever. Um, you know, next week you can you can give out some you know, early Christmas gifts or something. It's very early for that, but 
you can give them out all the same. Um, next week we will be back. I think we'll have a full kind of MLS playoff preview. Maybe some awards will be announced by then. We didn't talk about any awards tonight. Uh, maybe we can do that some other time. Um, but you know, we'll be back with a full MLS playoff preview. The show that that show will be out before the playoffs begin. So we got a long time to go still. So, um, but yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm glad we were able to give some credit tonight. Any, I think I'm trying to think if there's any other teams I want to give credit to. I, you know, I do want to give some credit to Nashville for making the playoffs in seventh place. They would have made it in a regular season, a non-COVID season. So credit to them for that. Very curious to see how they built on this success. Uh, it's been ultra defensive for the most part, but the attack is coming to life here over the last few weeks. So credit to them. Um, and you know, just like everyone go out there and have fun and smile and be nice with each other. And I think the world will be a little bit better off. Right, Paul? Definitely. Who is this? And what have you done with my (laughs) co-host? And on that note, (laughs) I'm Sam Stasekel. He's Paul Tenorio. This has been Allocation Disorder. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.